I want to invite you to turn with me to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. Uh, last week, we kicked off a new series, and we started in John chapter 17. And if you know anything about John chapter 17, you know that, that this chapter of Scripture is known as Jesus' high priestly prayer. This is a prayer of Jesus, and it's very unique in that it's recorded, and we get to read the words of Jesus as he prayed to the Father. And if you know anything about Jesus, if you've studied the life of Jesus, you know that oftentimes he would get away and he would get away and he would spend time with the Father. He would, he would spend time in prayer. And it was often in these times as we read through Scripture, we get to see the heart of Jesus, that, uh, the heart that he has for his disciples, the heart that he has for mankind. And so uh, this morning we're going to continue through uh, John chapter 17. I guess today would be a bit of a part two from last week and and. What we were talking about last week was this reality that Jesus has invited us out of a life of ordinary. And if, uh, if we were to take a poll here this morning, we would probably uh, be not surprised at all that most of us feel like our life is probably just pretty ordinary. It's, it's pretty normal, if you could, if you could say that. We, we would see ourselves as just ordinary people and and uh, we might uh, be able to recognize accomplishments in our life, but we probably wouldn't say, most of us, for risk of not sounding too humble, that, 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 that we are extraordinary people. We would say that we're ordinary people. We're just the common people that walk on this earth, and, and there's really not anything too extraordinary about who we are other than what I would say is that as a disciple of Christ Jesus, God is doing something remarkable in your life, and I believe that he wants to continue to do something remarkable in your life, and as we talked about last week, I believe that God is wanting to fill us up with his spirit, that we would be able as disciples of Christ Jesus to live a life not of ordinary, but of extraordinary, as he gives us power to accomplish all things uh, that are possible in God. And so you think about that, you think about our life as disciples and you think about what Jesus wants to do in our life and, 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 and the very fact that Jesus cares enough for us that he would want to pray for us, that he would want to do these things in our life, that in and of itself is pretty extraordinary, I think. But, but we have a Savior who loves us and adores us and cares deeply for us and he is looking to... Uh, do some incredible things in our life. We see this all through the scriptures we read. We just find ourselves being encouraged and being filled with, with his presence over what it is that he is wanting to teach us. This morning, we're gonna be talking on the subject of becoming more Christ-like, becoming more Christ-like. And we're gonna be looking at John chapter 17, verses 18 through 21 here this morning, a shorter passage than what we saw last week. But read with me, if you will, as we, as we turn to this passage of Scripture and we seek to understand what God would have us to understand uh, from this passage of his word. So read with me, if you will, starting with verse 18. Jesus is praying, and he says, As you sent me into the world... So I have sent them into the world. 
And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they may also be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Now, usually when we're talking about being Christ-like, if, if, if I were to bring that typical message on what it means to be Christ-like, we might focus more on uh, the, the reality of pursuing the righteousness of Christ. We would talk about holiness. We would talk about the issue of holiness. And as we begin to process that, that message of becoming Christ-like, we would talk about this reality that as believers, we should be living our life where we are moving away from sin and we are pursuing instead the righteousness of Christ. And, 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 and we would talk about things like being sanctified. Last week, we talked about being sanctified in the truth of God's word and how important it is that, that Jesus would think about us being sanctified. And because of that, he would pray for his disciples and Therefore, we can also apply it to our own life that he would pray for us and he would pray that we would grow and we would mature and we would be sanctified in the truth of his word, that we would mature as believers and followers of Christ Jesus. And so to just think about this reality that Jesus cares enough for us that he would go to the Father and he would pray that we would be sanctified in truth is very encouraging. And so we would talk about becoming like Christ and we would think about his holiness and his righteousness and we would desire that for our own life. However, when we look at this passage today, we begin to understand that, that this is a little bit different. And I love these verses because they teach us Christ's likeness from a different perspective. In other words, Jesus sort of approaches Christ's likeness from a different angle. And I don't know that you've ever noticed it before if you've read through this passage uh, because of the reality that we often talk about Christ's likeness in a different context. But here we see where Jesus offers up his prayers to the Father, and as he does this, he is bringing about this idea of us living out our life like he lived out his life. And that's what I want to talk about this morning as we talk about what it means to be like Christ. And so here we dive into the text and we begin to see what it is that, that these passages, these verses remind us of. And there are several important truths that I want to offer to you this morning. And the first truth is this. The heart of Christ is that his disciples would live lives on mission. The heart of Jesus is that we would understand and embrace the mission of Christ, the mission that he was living out as he walked on this earth. Remember, this prayer is just before going to the cross. In other words, the cross is before him. 
Jesus is still walking with his disciples. He is still living with them, but he knows that the cross lays before him. He knows that he will ultimately go to the cross and it will be on that cross that his body will be hung. It will be on that cross that his blood will be spilled for the forgiveness or the atonement of our sin. And so this this reality lays before Jesus But he came to this earth with a purpose. He came to seek the lost, to save the lost, and he's going to accomplish that by going to the cross. And he knows that it will be up to his disciples to carry this mission on. And so here in this text, we begin to see that the heart of Christ is that his disciples would live their way in such a way that they would live out the mission of Jesus. That is taking the gospel message to the world that others may know him and ultimately come to a saving relationship in him and also ultimately through their life give glory to God in everything that they do. And so Jesus understands this. This is what he says in verse 18. Notice this. He says, you sent me, remember he's praying to the Father, he says, you sent me into the world, now look at what he says here, to be like Christ, here's what he did. He says, I have sent them into the world. So here's the the prayer of Jesus. He says, Father, I recognize that you have sent me into the world. We know that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, right? Amen? How many of you are thankful for that truth? Amen? That he sent Jesus for you. And so we have this reality that, that the Father has sent Christ to carry out a purpose in this world, and so as he came and as he walked on this earth and as he prepares to go to the cross, he says to the Father in his high priestly prayer, as he prays for his disciples, he says, not only have you sent me into the world, but now I send my disciples into the world. And so if we take away anything from this one verse, it's this, that disciples of Jesus are to live a sent life. We're to live as disciples of Christ Jesus, a sent life. He was sent by the Father. He has sent us as disciples. That is just one way we can be like Christ, to embrace the mission of Jesus, to understand it first, to embrace it, to participate in it, to live out the mission of Jesus. And so here we see where he lays this. And, and, and we all know the commissioning verses that Jesus gave his disciples, Matthew 28, 19, Acts chapter one, verse eight. Jesus says in those passages, he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. He tells us that you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and even the ends of the earth. And so we know of these verses, we know of these verses where we are to be sent out, where we are to go out for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of advancing the kingdom of God. But oftentimes, if we're not careful, as we consider that, 
we would think maybe that maybe that is reserved for those missionaries that go out into the world or maybe the church planters who leave our church and go out to plan another work. And if we're not careful, we can live our entire life not realizing that being like Jesus is living the sent life. Now think about this. Jesus is facing one of the most crucial moments of his life. He is about to go to the cross, and as he is about to go to the cross, he prays. It is him and G- him and the Father who is at one with one another, and he is going to the Father in prayer, and the thing that he sees most important about praying about as that his disciples would understand their role to be Christ-like in the way of sending. And so here we see where, where Jesus is revealing this to us. But it's in Jesus' prayer that he reminds us not only that we, were, we are to be sent, but that we are to be sent on a mission. Now, what is the mission of Jesus? If we're going to be like Christ, if we're going to be Christ-like, and we're going to embrace this mission that Jesus is on, this reality of living this sent life, then we need to understand what the mission is, right? And we can go to many different passages and try to understand this. There, there are many times where Jesus was talking about the reality that his father had sent him and his purpose was this or that. But one passage I want to take you to, one, one passage I think just sums it all up, is found in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, where Jesus says this. He says, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Let me ask you a question here this morning, Cross Point Church. How many of you are thankful that Jesus sought you out and he saved you from your sins? Amen? Isn't that something worthy of celebrating? Isn't that something worthy of just rejoicing in? It is so encouraging to know that our Savior, he chased after us. In fact, the scripture tells us that while we were yet still in our sin, Christ died for us. When our minds were as far away from God as they could possibly be, while our minds and our hearts were in a different place than centered on God, Jesus went to the cross knowing that he would need to shed his blood for the atonement of our sins because hear this, our works were not good enough. He would have to go to the cross and he would have to die and while we were living a life of sin before our minds were ever on Jesus, his mind was on us. That is something worth celebrating. And so here we see the reason in which Jesus came, he came to seek and to save the lost. And because he was sent, he is now sending his disciples on the same mission to seek and to save the lost. Now, I want you to notice something here. As we look at this, uh, there, there's a temptation that I, I want to go down this road of just, and I will, I'll just go ahead and define it for you. Uh, uh, the word Christian, it literally means little Christ, Okay. But I, but I want you to understand, as we talk about what it means to be Christ-like, I'm not talking about this morning what it means to be a Christian. I'm talking about what it means to be a disciple. 
And I want to tell you, I believe there's a difference. I believe there's a difference in just merely being a Christian and being a disciple. First of all, let me say this, that only three times in scripture is the word Christian ever used. In the New Testament, the word Christian is used three times, and one of those times that it is used, it is used in a negative context because it is used in reference of mocking those little Christ or those Christians. But 269 times in Scripture is the word disciple used. Now, what do you suppose Jesus wants us to be? Do you suppose he wants us to be a Christian or do you suppose he wants us to be a disciple? When he gave that great commission to his disciples, he often referred to them, by the way, he only referred to them, by the way, as disciples, but when he gave that great commission to them, he didn't say, go out into the world and convert people to Christianity, did he? No, he says, go out into the world and what? Make all right, six of you knew that. That's scary. Okay, this is Discipleship 101, okay? So Jesus gives this great commission to go out and make, there you go, make disciples. 269 times we see the word disciple being used. And here's what else we understand. The word Christian it, it, it is a static term. In other words, it's, it's motionless. It's, 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 it's inactive. It, it describes an identity in who we are, but it doesn't describe anything about what we are to do. But on the other hand, the word disciple is a dynamic term. It is an active term, okay? It is a term that says you can't be a follower of Christ without doing something with that. So we could be a Christian and never do anything for the sake of the kingdom of God, but we could never be a disciple and not do something for the kingdom of God. So what Jesus is referring to here as he's praying for his disciples is not just simply for us to be Christians in our Christ-likeness, but to be disciples Pastor and founder of uh, Replicate Ministries, Robbie uh, Gallaty, he, he once said this. He says, we have done a really good job of teaching people how to share their faith, but we have not taught people how to share their life. And I think oftentimes in sharing our faith, we may see people come to a saving relationship with Jesus, but we're not necessarily making disciples. Here lies the problem in our world today. When we lead a person to Christ and we choose not to disciple them, then we run the risk of creating nothing more than spiritual orphans. Discipleship has to be the center of everything that we do as believers in Christ Jesus. Discipleship has to be the, the springboard into action and everything that we do for the glory of God. Not just simply making 
Christians or converting people to Christianity, but making Christians. When we make disciples, disciples will make disciples because it's an active term. It is what we not only are, but it is what we also do. We are living out as disciples or followers of Christ Jesus, the sent life. Jesus prays to the Father. And he says, Father, you sent me. Now I send them. Let me just ask you a rhetorical question this morning. Are you a Christian or a disciple? I think that's a healthy question for any of us in this room to ask. Amen? It just is. Because I think there's a difference. And I think that the heart of Christ is that his disciples would live on mission. Here's the second truth I want to give you here this morning. The second truth is this, that the prayer of Christ is that his disciples' testimonies would transform the world. The prayer of Christ is that his disciples' testimonies would transform the world. Now, there is so much more I could offer you out of this text this morning, but obviously we don't have time. But I love this part of it. And so I want to sort of camp out here for just a moment. In verse 20, we see where Jesus, he He's praying and he says this. He says, I do not ask for these only. Remember, all the way up to this moment, he has been praying for who? For his disciples, right? He's been praying for those whom he's gonna leave and, and for those whom are gonna carry out the mission of Christ when he goes to the cross and he dies on the cross and he's buried in a tomb and ultimately raised from the dead and ultimately ascends into heaven and commissions his disciples to carry out the mission of Jesus and the advancement of the kingdom of God. So he's preparing them. And up to this moment, he has been praying for his disciples. And suddenly in verse 20, he says this, I do not ask for these only. So he's not just praying now for just his disciples, but he says this, but also for those who will believe. In other words, he's talking about those in the future who are going to come to a saving knowledge of Christ in their life. And so he says, I don't only pray for the disciples, but I pray for those who will believe. And look at what he says, in me through their word. And so he's talking about disciples living this life where they are going out into the world. They're living that sent life. The Father sent Jesus, Jesus sends the disciples, they go out into the world, they're going out into the world and they're sharing what? They're sharing their word, they're sharing their story, they're sharing their testimony, they're sharing the good news of what Christ has done in their life and no doubt they're also sharing the gospel message of Jesus Christ. But the reality is these people are coming to know Jesus because there were those who were faithful in going out. And so the Father knows 
this. I mean, Jesus knows this. And so he prays to the Father and he prays. He says, I don't only pray for the disciples, but I pray for all those lost people who are going to hear from the disciples and their lives are going to be radically transformed by the power and presence of God in their life in the same way it was transformed in the disciples' life. And so Jesus begins to lift up the lost. But I don't want you to just simply see that this is a prayer for the lost because I believe it's so much more. I believe it's a prayer that the people of God would be faithful to share everything that Jesus has done in their life. And it's by that means that they will be saved. They're living this sent life. They're living this life of, of going. And here he prays this You see, what I believe is that Jesus knows that every transformed life has a story to tell. You don't have to show hands this morning. You don't have to applaud with with, uh, applause. But, But every one of us would probably say here this morning that we have a story to share. Every one of us as believers and followers of Christ Jesus, would we not agree that we have a story to share? How was it that Jesus came into your life? How was it that he transformed your life? How was it that he has been working over the years in your life as he continues to sanctify you in his truth, as you continue to live out your life in his presence, as you continue to to try your best to remain faithful, and he continues to sanctify you in his truth? All these things, we have a story to tell, don't we? Every single person in this room, if you were redeemed by Christ Jesus, if you've been saved by the grace of God through faith in Christ Jesus, then you have a story to tell. And not only that, we have the gospel to carry with us, don't we? And so here we see, and I believe with all my heart, that Jesus knows that every transformed life has a story to tell and the gospel to share. And every one of us in this room, we need to recognize that. We need to understand as one of Jesus' disciples, we have a part in all of this. You see, here's what we begin to understand as we begin to look at passages like this. Being a disciple is not a matter of qualifications. It's a matter of obedience. It's not a matter of you being having the credentials of a disciple or having the qualifications to go out and share your faith. It's a matter of obedience and just being faithful to what God has already called you to do. And we must be about the Father's business. Being faithful. I love in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, the apostle Paul, he he begins to really reveal the heart of a true disciple and his convictions, they line up perfectly with what Jesus is praying for here in this text. I love this. He the Apostle Paul, he's writing to the Corinthian church. It's, a, it's just a local gathering of believers and disciples in, in Corinth. And as he's writing to them, you know, this is a church. We, we come to understand as we see these writings, their, their church has some issues. They have some problems. They, you know, they're, they're, they have some things to work through. But I love what Paul says 
in, in chapter nine of this text, starting with verse 19, because he, he reveals really the true heart of a disciple. And I don't think there's a greater word for, for those that may be living their life, not fully understanding God's uh, plan for their life as disciples, which the Corinthians were doing. And so Paul brings this word to them, and I love what he has to say. It really just lines up perfectly with Jesus' prayer. He says there in verse 19, he says, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. I love, gosh, I love that. He continues in verse 20. We're going to talk about this. We have to. To the Jews, I became a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside of the law, I became as one outside of the law, not being outside of the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. He says in verse 22, to the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people that... By all means, I might save some, and I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessing. Now, I, I love this because Paul starts off in verse 19. He says, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. So what Paul says is he says, uh, you know, there, there's a piece of him who, is, uh, who's, who has surrendered his life to being a servant of Christ, to go out and live this life of being sent out by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to go out and to share the gospel. And he realizes that that's gonna take some of his personal time. He realizes that that's gonna eat into his hobbies. He realizes that that's gonna be outside of what is comfortable for him. He realizes all of that, but what he says to the Corinthians is this, I have given myself, even though I don't have to do this for anybody, he says, I have given myself over as a servant to them that I might win more to Jesus. There's a tremendous sacrifice that has taken place in this man's life. Now, Paul, saved by the grace and presence of God, he could have, he could have just said, okay, thank you, Jesus, I believe in you, and he could have just lived out his life selfishly, but no, he took on the life of a bondservant, living out his life Going out into the streets, going into the marketplaces, going from town to town, he went out to share what Jesus had done in his life and to share the message of the cross because he understood the message of the cross to be the power of God unto salvation. And so he goes out sharing his story, his testimony, the gospel of Christ so that others would know Jesus the heart of a true disciple. The heart of a true disciple. He also says in verse 23, I do it all for the sake of the gospel. Look at this, I love this. That I may share with them in its blessing. Here's a question for you. How many of you would see your faith as being one of the greatest blessings in your life, if not the greatest blessing in your life? 
If our faith is such a blessing in our life, then why would we never want to share that with somebody else that they may partake in the same blessing that we have? I love what Paul says here. He says, I go out and I share people, share the gospel with people. I go out and I win them to Christ. I win them to Jesus because I understand the blessing and I want to live that blessing with them. I want to see them have the same blessing that I've got in Christ Jesus. Man, I love that. I got two questions for us this morning. These are the two questions that I found myself asking myself. And so I thought, no, 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 God, I'm not going to just get away. I'm not going to just do this to me. I'm going to give these to you too for us all to consider these questions because I think it's really, I think it's really important. And here's the two questions I want to give you here this morning. What is God doing in your life? That's the first one. What is God doing in your life? Just think about that. And what are you doing to share that with others? What are you doing to share that with others? Because it really comes down to being just that simple. Jesus is praying that as his disciples go out, that they would use the stories, the testimonies, the gospel, so that others would know Christ Mark Twain, he, he once said this. He says, 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than the things you did do. I've got a couple of 20 years behind me. You know, not just 20 years, but another 20 years, and I'm working on another 20 years right now, right? And I can tell you that that is so true. So often in our life, we look back and we say, man, I wish I'd have done this. I wish I'd have done that. I wish I'd have... We just, not that it's necessarily regret, because I don't think it's healthy for us to live in regret, but, but we just find ourselves thinking, man, if I'd have made this choice or made this decision, things might have been a little bit different. And I'm not talking about for our own personal gain. I'm talking about for the kingdom of God. Let us not waste our life. Let us challenge ourselves with the question, Am I a Christian or am I a disciple? And let us think about daily what God is doing in our life and let us be faithful to share that with people who need to hear. I believe if Jesus is gonna see it as that important that he would pray for us, pray for his disciples, that they would live this life sent, then we should as well. This morning, before we move into the... Uh, the, the Lord's Supper, and we only have just a few moments here, I wanna, I wanna answer this question. How do we practically live this out? How do, we, how do we live out our faith as disciples in Jesus? Three things I wanna give you real quickly. One, be discipled. Be discipled. Jesus' model for discipleship was small groups. He, he gathered, <clears throat> excuse me, he gathered 12 people and he began to pour into these 12 people. And, and let me just say here this morning, if you're not a part of a small group, a life group, a, a, a Bible study here at the church or, or outside of the church, uh, if you're not a part of a small group, a ministry here in our church or whatever, then, then you are missing out on being discipled. And so the first challenge I would offer to you, the first practical step I would give you is make sure you are being 
discipled. Also, with the early church, they made attendance a priority in their life. They made being there, being committed to gathering together with the saints, being committed to to learning from the apostles. And so I would even say that, to to be committed, allow your discipleship to be a, a pathway of commitment that you are making to the small groups and to the ministries that you are participating in. But for heaven's sakes, be discipled. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says this, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So be discipled. The second step that I would give you here this morning is get equipped, get equipped. I know that there's some of you sitting out here right now, I know because I've been in your seat before and you're like, I'm not so sure I can go out and share my story. And if that's where you find yourself, then get equipped. Get around somebody who can help you learn how to share your story. It's really not that intimidating. And when you see someone's life come alive because you shared your story and the gospel with them, I'll tell you, it'll transform your life as a disciple. And so get equipped. Get equipped to do what it is that Christ has called you to do. Take classes that are designed to equip you for ministry. On September the 5th, go ahead and just jot this down if you, if you don't have a small group that you're meeting in. But on Wednesday, September the 5th, I'm gonna start a class right here at the church on Wednesday nights from that Wednesday forward Every Wednesday night, it'll, it'll correlate with uh, DPK Live, our children's ministry, it's happening here, but I'm gonna start a class in here called Equip, just to equip uh, disciples and help them become disciple makers, but also to equip leaders to be capable leaders in the life of the church. And so that's gonna start September the 5th, every Wednesday night. If you wanna see me after the service and get more information on that, please do. But get equipped. And then finally, the third thing is this. Embrace the mission. Embrace the mission. You see, being a part of the Great Commission, being a part of going out and carrying the gospel message to others, begins with intentionality. If you're ever gonna share your story and if you're ever gonna share the gospel, if you're ever gonna be a part of that process as a disciple maker, it begins with intentionality. If you don't set the course to go out to invite others to be a part of God's kingdom, if you don't set a course For being a disciple maker, you will probably never see that happen in your lifetime. Be intentional. Be intentional. Just this week, I had a man who who brought his friend to meet with me, and he came with him. He found himself in a place where, you know, he, he just wanted a little a little support help. He wanted some more help in in sharing and counseling and pouring into this other follower of Christ Jesus. And so he he called me up and he says, can I come see you and bring a friend? And 
Man, that's what it's all about. Seeing a friend in need and saying, man, I, I'm, I'm pouring into him, but I, I think he needs to talk to you too, Pastor David. And, and all of us together being a part of this process of helping other people see the need for Christ in their life. And sharing the gospel message of Jesus, which is a message of hope and redemption and restoration of the soul. Jesus prayed for his disciples to make disciples. He knew he was going to the cross. He knew that it was there on the cross that he would die. That his blood would atone for the sins of this world. He knew it was something he had to do. He knew that ultimately he would go to be with the Father. And that the mission of Jesus would be left in the hands of his disciples.